Welcome back, church family, to another episode of Head to Heart. Ben, we're going to start this. You're from Wisconsin. Yep. What is your favorite and least favorite cheese? Favorite and least favorite. That is really difficult to nail down. Um, a good old workhorse cheese is, is my boy Provolone. <laughs> my boy Provolone's a good workhorse cheese. You can apply that in so many circumstances. Okay, I like that. Uh, but my favorite, favorite hands down is smoked gouda mm, that's a good smoked one. gouda is something that i could pretty much always you got one that you loathe uh well that one's also kind of easy because pretty common but limburger cheese Ooh, i've never even heard of that to be honest. oh man well okay. uh it smells like <laughs> death itself okay so that's the issue i it, for all i know it could taste good but okay. it smells okay. uh vomit inducing so that's my least favorite do you have opinions on cheese? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm okay. a big I'm a big cheese fan. So Manchanga Manchego. Big uh, well Gesundheit, first of all. But yeah. What? No, it's a good cheese. My okay. dad would buy okay. it because he's a he likes fancy cheeses. I love it. Oh, I it's do know so that good. about your father. I forgot about that. And least favorite is uh, feta. Oh. I don't like feta cheese. That's a, that's the one you put take. in lasagna. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or well, I don't know about lasagna, but I know it's on salads too. Yeah, that one. But, the crumbly one. Yeah. 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 No, I am. Oh. No. I have grown to appreciate it more. Mm, I'm not about. But it. I don't have it often. Well, Ben, today on this episode, we will be discussing justification, which is a very pervasive topic all throughout Scripture. Um, and so as we open, I just want to, I just want to read a very popular verse on this Romans 5 one it says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Ben, give me just a quick, maybe one, two minute definition on the doctrine of justification and just tell me like I've never heard it before. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, that's the ticket. Uh, so many of these things we recognize as Christianese, right? Comfortable. We, we, we recognize the terms, but we don't always think them through. Uh, with justification, the doctrine, the, the understanding that we have of justification, there's that common um, definition we're given as kids a lot of times, right? The idea that justification is just as if I'd never sinned. Uh, and I do appreciate that. I, I really do. That's a nice memory device, and it really does communicate the core, mm. uh, especially, uh, again, again for kids and like a memory, memory tool there. Um, but it does fall a little short in a couple of areas, really. Uh, short of, of summarizing the depth and the weight uh, of the doctrine of, of justification uh, in a pretty key area. That idea that, you know, saying that it's just as if I'd never sinned, I think that takes away uh, from the fact that the sin had to be taken care of. Um, so it's not as if I had never sinned, but rather that my sinfulness has been taken uh, upon by Jesus. It has been accounted for by the act of Christ right. uh, on the cross, which, again, we're going to unpack a little bit here. But if I give a definition, and again, I'm, I'm getting this from a, from a, you know, a theology book, these, these kind of classic works here, I, I put it together. Um, but biblically speaking, the doctrine of justification is going to involve two primary aspects. They're, they're very close together, um, but again, there's, there's going to be two things here. So it's an act of God that is instantaneous in which, number one, God forgives us of our sins and the righteousness of Christ is applied to us. Uh, and number two, God declares us righteous in his sight. And again, those things aren't aren't separated out too too far, but they're both going to be present. Yeah, and so an understanding doctrinally of justification is something that I think is very hard to wrap our heads around. Yeah, uh, because I mean, just picture the implications of it, and then it's so beautiful that it's almost 
too good to be true. Hmm. And so this doctrine, once understood intellectually, proceeds into our hearts and it changes the way we live. So really quickly, Ben, just give us an illustration of, uh, of courtroom language and, and kind of what I mean by that. Wrapped up in the original language, we get nuances of the legal system uh, within this concept or this doctrine. So just real quick, give us an example. Yeah, yeah, that is such a helpful example because, as you say, it's, it's legal language, justification. Um, so if we back up, we recognize sin by, by definition, by its nature, is an affront to God's holiness, his perfection. And it separates us. Uh, so reconciliation is needed. That relationship must be restored. But uh, before that, sin must be addressed. It can't just be swept under the rug. So in that courtroom example, the judge cannot just dismiss sin. God is holy, and so being perfectly fair, he cannot just have sin uh, be unaccounted for. Mm. And yet we can't account for it, we know. So right. God, who is the judge, penalizes Christ for our sin, your sin, with the payment for which sin uh, requires, and that payment is death. Mm -hmm. Then the righteousness, the righteousness of Christ gets credited to us, uh, and then again, God slams the gavel, so to speak, and the process is final with no reversal. Now, the judge sees Christ as guilty. The sinner is righteous. We get that from 2 Corinthians 5.21. Again, this all takes place when the faith is placed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Uh, therefore, this justification, this, this beautiful doctrine that we hold too dearly is not earned, uh, but given freely. We see that in Romans 3.24. Um, so, again, let's go back to how we open the podcast then. Romans 5, we start with verse 1, and then keeping in mind of this legal framework, let's go on. Yeah, so Romans 5, 6 through 10. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So Christian, if you believe that, then there is absolutely no way you can stay the same in your life. Like this is going to produce in us a thankfulness, a joy, a hope that is absolutely unspeakable. Um, and the love for this doctrine will be practically played out in the life of the believer and in the life of a gospel-believing church. Yeah, that's just it. It's not supposed to be something that's like a pie-in-the-sky, super-spiritualized language that means that we can't live this out. Um, the truths are glorious, the wording is indeed glorious, but um, the Bible gives us examples of what this can look like in the life of Christians just relationally in the nitty-gritty of even what can be tension. Uh, so, uh, Colin, go ahead and walk us through this example. Yeah, so Galatians chapter 2, you got Peter. He's not eating with the Gentiles because they were different than him. And so Paul actually opposes him, and he's like, what are you doing, Peter? Like, remember the gospel. And so in chapter 2, verse 15, we see Paul saying to Peter, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So, so Paul is reminding Peter here about justification. 
And so that in his belief of this doctrine, he's going to live differently. Uh, meaning he was going to love and serve those that were different from him, namely the Gentiles here in this example. Hmm. So justification in this moment is breaking down a wall of hostility, as Paul puts it in Ephesians, and is breaking out of our hearts and minds this idea of excluding someone based upon status, skin color, interests, age, gender, etc. Yeah, so being justified by God through Christ is suddenly a, a, a playing field leveler, right? It levels the playing field, so to speak. There's none of these cultural divides that so easily crop up. Again, the Jew-Gentile divide that's given in Scripture, but really anything, color of skin, culture, like you said, it's it's a non-issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if the person has annoying tendencies, right? Love them and serve them. They've been justified just as you have. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking, yeah. of course, Christian community. If they come from a different background, love and serve them. They've been justified just as you have, right? This can be applied to so many areas. Again, look at the church, right? Baker Heights, BHBC. The doors are open here for all imperfect sinners to hobble in, to find justification through Christ, and to be included in a people who loves and serves him above all. Yeah, so may we live in such a way that the doctrine of justification so just grips our minds and our hearts. Yeah. That, to borrow lyrics from the Grinch, we never say to anybody, I wouldn't touch them with a 39 and a half foot pole, right? But we are running to those around us, no matter who they are, to show them Jesus Christ with our love and our service. Yeah. So the question is, as you're listening to this, um, are you this church member? Are you this Christian in your workplace, maybe at your house with your friends, in, in whatever community you're a part of, if we get this from our head to our heart, we will be compelled to live this way. And so just to conclude, the doctrine of justification produces in the life of a believer a desire to incorporate others in your life, to love and serve them, no exclusions, just as Christ has done for us. Yeah. That means the annoying coworker. That means the difficult family member. That means the outcast, the poor, the marginalized. And you can go on and on. Uh, we include them in um, as believers who have been justified by Christ because we were once those things to God, and yet he puts the punishment on his son to bring us in, to justify yeah. us by his blood. So. Yes. Yeah. Well, excellent. Uh, I'm encouraged even in this conversation here. Uh, we'd hope that's the case for you as well. Let's go ahead and wrap up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you have loved us enough to justify us by the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus. For those of us that know you, Lord, may we not grow dull to the glorious standing we have as your children, Mm. justified by faith in Jesus as a gift of your grace, Lord, that is wondrous. May that grip our hearts continually. Lord, for any who are listening, who look within and know deep down that they do not know you, Lord, stir their hearts. Uh, Stir them to repentance and faith in you. Uh, May they ask uh, a Christian they know uh, to have that conversation. Let's talk about the gospel. May that be drawn in their hearts. But we love you. Be with us now as we continue on this week, whatever the week holds for each of us. Uh, Lord, uh, we ask for your blessing that you enable us to live in obedience and righteousness based on the blood of Jesus in all things. We pray all of this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.